Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. All right. Welcome to Pinko Kami Sluts. I'm Bunny, here with Steve Steve and Marlo. Hello. Hello. Happy May Day, folks. Um, Solidarity. Workers of the world, baby. Um, You motherfucking night. Hmm? You motherfucking night. Night? Night. Like, as in the chess piece? No, as in you night. Workers of the world, you motherfucking... Oh. oh, oh, See what I did there? I just added the expletive. He put a motherfucker in there. <laughs> oh, I got it. I was just telling Bunny how I was going to, after this, sell all my possession. It's going to own nothing. Is your girlfriend angry at you against <laughs> Oh, not. <laughs> all my houses are going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. Of course. We're talking about Elon Musk. I'm always here for an Elon Musk meltdown. It's one of my favorite things. Today, he said he was going to sell all his possessions, including his house. And he tweeted that his girlfriend, Grimes, and he added her, <laughs> is, <laughs> is mad at him. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, he okay, had to but, let us know who his girlfriend was again. Oh, God, I hate it. Okay, he did do something funny today. We all saw that, right? Where he was like, um, yo, I think Tesla stock is like hot. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And then some some fucking dumbass is like, dude, I've literally just lost ten thousand because of this tweet. And then there's like news stories that like, yeah, apparently that tweet did legit make fourteen bill disappear. Yeah, fourteen billion dollars in stock went down in Tesla. Yeah. (laughs) I I kind of like because of that. Like, Uh, it's really bad, but that he did that. Uh, That's really funny. My my favorite think piece about this so far is CNN ran one saying that... Okay, why don't you just pour because it was the loudest thing ever. God damn, it's next to the computer. Okay, yeah, it's a Pinot Grigio. Oh, that's fair. Little Pinot Gris. Little Pinot Gris. I'm getting wine mom drunk on a Friday night. Yeah, no, fair. So, yeah, as I was saying, my parents are currently doing this uh, Jerry Garcia jigsaw um, for their pandemic. My mom ordered it from an indie jigsaw maker. Now, which era of Jerry is this? Okay, I can tell you exactly what, because it's actually a Grateful Dead jigsaw, but it only features Jerry Garcia. Um, it is the uh, fan art for the Philly Spectrum 1982 April show, you know, because tapers and whatnot. So it's a, like if you were to go to Philly 82 and pick up a tape, then it would be like the art on the tape, specifically the second set because it has a big Roman numeral, too, on that pitch. So, yeah, Matthew can look this up. It starts with Shakedown Street into, uh, what is it, fucking Foreign Soldier? Uh, now I feel like an asshole. I, you anyway. can tell me anything, and I'd believe you. Yeah, no, it's all good. This but, is for yeah. the real heads that are listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um... But anyway, so yeah, they've been working on that. My mom's been complaining because she's like, oh my God, this puzzle is like annoying and all the pieces look the same. And I'm like, yeah, you bought a thousand piece jigsaw. What did you expect? Uh, They suck. And then she gets angry because I don't help her with it. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a whole thing. I get angry at her because she doesn't play chess with me. So, you know, we're all good. 
so yeah, they're doing that. I was discussing professional wrestling with my dad. It was all a good night. I can't believe families really do puzzles in real life. Yeah, well, I mean, as, <laughs> as a theoretical uh, thing to do during the pandemic, I get it. Because, you know, it's the golden age of everything. If you like board oh, yeah. games, if you're like a board game kid, you can like now get some For jackasses sure. like indie board game that he only sells on the internet and it's all like awesome and shit. And like, yeah, this is what this was. Like a fucking artisan crafted this puzzle. It looks exactly like every other jigsaw puzzle. Fucking artisan. Yeah, but like yeah, someone <laughs> someone took a jigsaw and like jigsawed <laughs> out that puzzle. Um you know, so anyway, my point is, Matthew, please play uh, set two of the film <laughs> nineteen eighty two. Uh, right about now, we're not going to get sued for copyright. It's fucking great for that. They don't give a shit. We're like cool shit. Um. So yeah. We'll, what if they're really litigious? Uh, they are not really litigious. Like, they're like uh, fifty fucking years of them not being very. Litigious. Yeah. No, I'm saying the ones that have died. What if? What if they go uh, to the great beyond and suddenly? Um, oh shit! I didn't even. Fun fact. I will not have you, uh, badmouth Brent Midland like that. Yeah, no, it was April of Philly Spectrum, 1982. I forget the exact thing, but the second set starts out with uh, Shakedown Street, so I think that's pretty findable. I feel. Go on dead.net. It is findable. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to fucking do that right now. Do you think I'm playing Elon it right Musk, now. Do you hear it? Do you think Elon Musk likes oh, The Christ. Grateful Dead? He definitely says he does. Wait, I gotta see. Has it? Oh, Elon! I can't believe Grimes is. Isn't she about to have his baby? Three days from. It's, it's due on That's Monday. Right. It's due on. Oh my and, God! What a dickhead! Oh God! I hate him so he's much. He's gonna sell all his possessions. Um, three days before his, the mother of his child has the child. Oh, my God. Except for Gene Wilder's house. That's my part of this. He's got some stipulations about Gene Wilder's house. You can't ruin its soul. That's what he's saying. It cannot be torn Uh, down or lose any of its soul. Any of its soul. Um, But I, Elon Musk uh, irritates me in a way where I hope there is a post-apocalyptic dystopia a la the stand you know stephen king's the stand and it's me i get to fight elon musk in a field somewhere i'll be honest i think it has to do with a plague but i do not actually know the plot i've heard a lot of people the world ends essentially due to a plague and it's very sparsely populated and like there's different factions and one guy is a bad guy and the other people are good people, and there's a fight. Okay, and without spoiling yeah. anything, I don't know. Do you spoil Stephen King anyway? But uh, the point the, is, I, I hope, remember I hope we lead factions against each other, and I get to fight Elon Musk to the death. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I just remember using his uh, using his flame for against of a him. Dude back in the day. Back in the day of like reading fiction or whatever, Michael Crichton. Uh, yeah, Mikhail. Jurassic Crichton. Park. Yeah, Westworld. Heard of it? <laughs> yeah, no, I I have not actually read Westworld. I will say that I read. Uh, I mean, you know, you read the classic Crichtons when you're in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you read Jurassic Park, Jurassic <laughs> Park Two, Jurassicing. <laughs> Uh, Andromeda Strain, that one about fucking uh, nano machines he wrote uh, that sucked. Ooh, the one about time travel he wrote, which was a fucking hot novel, but was one of the worst films ever made. Uh, that was like a great book. Time, time something or other. Um, it had to do with time. They went back into the Middle Ages and did some shenanigans. It was great. Uh, but yeah, no, I was like, yeah, I was definitely a Crichton kid back in the fifth grades. 
Uh, it was like, oh, you know that movie Jurassic Park? And you're like, oh, yeah, the one with the dinosaurs and it rocks and it's awesome. And they're like, yeah, what if they all said they were And you're like, shit, really? That's a thing that can exist? And they're like, yeah, but it's a book and you have to use your imagination. And that's how you get into reading. That is one way you get into reading. How did you get into reading, Bunny? Um, when I ascertained uh, I could get some sort of power via it. <laughs> I was an early reader. I did have, my mom did read a lot of children's books to me. But then uh, as soon as I was able to do it on my own, I was very keen to show it off. And then because reading meant I could go and look things up on my own and not have to ask an adult, I became like, uh, I read a lot, but I'm not like well read by any canonical standard. Like, yeah, no, fuck the canon. I like, yeah, I canon have few, sucks you know ass. what I mean? I like, uh, my, uh, definitely again, my favorite like, books are Stephen Jurassic King Park books. Like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> King, the Michael for, Crichton for like, for like soft goths like um, myself. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, like a not uh, super racist uh, way to consume your Lovecraft <laughs> um, and HP Lovecraft. Except there is going to be there yeah. is a new TV show oh, um, Jordan Peele uh, inspired by Lovecraft, which I assume is going oh, to be um, ra- scientifically racist. Uh, Okay, uh, I do want to discuss my idea for a Jordan Peele-directed remake of uh, <laughs> Birth of a Nation. Not the, like, the fucking movie Revolution. about the... Well, no, that was not about the Haitian Revolution, and I would have been annoyed if that shitty movie was made about... Anyway, it was called Birth of a Nation. It sucked. I'm sorry we're now a racist podcast. Jordan Peele is looking that. angrily um, through water. At- but, well, I don't, I didn't, okay. No, I will Jordan, admit, no, I Jordan didn't, Peele didn't direct that yeah. from Rapist. That's kids. the whole thing, is um, that there was this whole, not Turner, yeah, there was a whole Me Too uh, shit on this about. Um, God damn it. Not Turner I knew it, I knew it, Thank uh, you. but... Not Turner, yeah, I, I, I never saw it because I will admit because of the rape allegations against Nate Parker, uh, who made the film, and um, yeah. so I don't know if it's a good film or a bad film in any way. But the whole idea that they also called it Birth of a Nation was sort of to be you know meta and ironic yeah. because Fair. Birth of a Nation is. Yeah, yeah, no, big blockbuster films also a racist propaganda film for the Klan. Which Klan? The Ku Klux? Anyway, so... uh, This this is podcast uh, new chant. uh, No, no. Uh, 46. (laughs) Who's Klan? But anyway... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the like that's uh, the correct answer to who's clan in real life. So if anyone asks you, straight from the streets of Shaolin. Shaolin but anyway, no, I um, no, I definitely have this idea that I think could work as a Jordan Peele alt history remake of Birth of a Nation. The basic idea is it's an alternate history where white. People are the slaves, and so it's actually a black Ku Klux Klan, and that makes it better, and it's directed by Jordan Peele. And I have this idea that, like, every studio has one dude in the meetings who's just like, hey, we should remake Birth of a Nation, and everyone always shuts him down, and he constantly is like, no, I have a way of doing it. This is actually, I think... Um, I think it's a Nick Mullen. I think oh, it's a God. Nick Mullen bit. Yeah, no. This I'm, this was his his idea was that after Obama became president, white people became slaves for two like two years, like they got a taste of it. I've got a fun um a fun story that uh I no no okay no no no, no. real quick finish okay. off this birth of a nation thought. I just want to say. No, because at the end of the day, it's the first blockbuster of all time, and you're a studio, you're constantly eating up fucking old IPs because nothing can be new, 
uh, because new is a risk and like risk threatens capitalist realism. So the only thing to do is to just constantly recycle the old and then recycle the recycled old. And eventually in a very Luxembourgist way, they will run out of things to continuously colonize. And eventually the only thing left will be birth of a nation and they will have to remake that. And the only way to remake that and make that successful is if uh, Jordan uh, Peele flips it and reverses uh, it. <laughs> Put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. Yeah, and, and, yeah. yeah. I, Birth of a Nation, directed by Jordan Peele. It's coming out in the next decade. Lo, lo, lo. I, uh, I feel I have to. I have to uh, take a moment though to full disclosure here um i was in a misguided sketch that was essentially that premise you mentioned <laughs> it's already uh, been done marlo so but, but after after we filmed week. part of it we realized well i did i just like some comics asked me to help film a sketch i went to help film a sketch this was the premise of the sketch after some of it was filmed it was like i'll put a link in the show notes it's not supposed to be birth of a nation but it's essentially that um reparations no that reparations uh now is every black person gets a couple of white slaves who can volunteer for this yeah, it's like it whatever. Is, anyway, people. it's a no it's funny because uh, it was such a bad idea. We did end up making a good video about what a stupid idea. No, it was. but like let's I'll put a link. Birth of Nation remake uh, in 2020 because like we've already remade every old fucking movie. This is like also like five years from now we're gonna remake Jaws. Like we all know that's gonna happen. Uh, we, we already uh, did. I mean, we already, we've already did remake Jaws. Re- yeah, what, whatever shark, shark movie comes up is just a remake. Yeah. You know, you know, we haven't remade Jaws. We've done shark concept, but no, we haven't remade Jaws. But we will eventually. We'll, we'll, we'll take the signifier of Jaws and just put it on another movie. Right, and by signifier, literally the title Jaws, and it will be a remake of Jaws. And then they'll do um, something really cringy with, um, we're going to need a bigger boat, you know? It, they're going to make it based more on the book. They're going to actually, that's going to be their way of doing that to be respectful, mm-hmm. is they're going to actually, like, take the parts that the movie deviated from the book, but they're going to go back and... What if, it, based what if it's based on the, the James Bond character? No, that's... <laughs> um, and James Bond is already a fucking uh, Lacanian schizophrenic floating signifier, and it doesn't Well... Matter. Like, James Bond, you can't... <laughs> like, like, there's no way to The way to ruin it is what they did with Daniel Craig, and that's to make it good. Like James Bond is supposed to be incredibly. I'm fun. saying just remake the movie yeah. Jaws, but instead of Shark. Right. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's Jaws from Spy Who Loved Me. Mo- Moonraker, which is when he was like floating in space. In space. Yes, I know. Um, yeah, Jaws. We are all aware of the character Jaws from James Bond. Uh, two movies in particular, Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. Uh, he was introduced in Spy Love Me, and then he went to space in Moonraker. And he fell, he fell in love, too. That, yes. You can't ruin James Bond. James Bond would be fucking stupid. There is no way to... This is why we need to, as a whole podcast, watch some movies. Yeah, we should. Um, also, I got, like, Phil probably helping me out on the Chick Tracker view thing. Uh, so there's that as well. But, yeah, no, I mean, they're going to remake Jaws, like the Spielberg Jaws. They're not going to do some cutesy fucking wordplay over the James Bond character. And after they you know, remake I... Jaws, they're going to have nothing left except the birth <laughs> of an Asian. <laughs> the birth of a nation remake is coming. And anyone who doesn't think it's coming is insane. And I have the premise 
to make it maybe work, which is all history, white people are slaves, black people are the Ku Klux Klan, and it's black people who have to save a black woman from getting raped by white Union soldiers. That's the way <laughs> Look, I have it, and I I'm have saying a- it out loud on a podcast so I can later sue for royalties when they eventually do this movie. Okay, well, look. And this is, and then we're going to use that money to make this podcast go big. So I'm just saying, like, this is actually me. (laughs) I can dig it, but I just want to throw this out there. If there's going to be a remake, I say we switch it up. We don't remake Jaws. We remake The Beast which is a lesser-known uh, novel by the same author that was a TV movie about an evil giant squid that eats people, and it is terrifying. Graves Point has always been a paradise, a vacationer's dream. Until now. Imagine a squid with tentacles 30 feet long. Oh, my God. This thing has two whips. Those whips are covered with suction cups the size of this notebook. The squid grabs and impales its prey with those whips and drags it towards its beak, shredding the flesh as it goes. Did he essentially write about sea monsters? It's, I don't know, man, but I was obsessed with this fucking book and this TV movie. It terrified me. Uh, I really... I remember a Goosebumps book called The Beast from the East. Me too. Yeah. Me too. It's different. Goosebumps scared the shit out of me. R.L. Stein. I love there's, him. He's on Twitter. Yeah, I was, I was K.A. Alpha Gate all the way, and she also... There's, there's an... Uh, aren't they bringing back Goosebumps as a... Oh, fuck. I think you're right. Yeah, I think they're... Yeah, because... Anyway, that goes on my thesis <laughs> that they're going to birth of all right, I want to return to um, jigsaw puzzles. My family also uh, did jigsaw puzzles, but they did special jigsaw puzzles. Um, nice, nice. Three <laughs> puzzles. If you go into my grandmother's house, there's like the Washington Monument, but in 3D, and the White House yeah, in 3D. And it's foamy. Yeah, it's very foamy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know what a 3D jigsaw is. It's not a fucking jigsaw puzzle. I fucking hate <laughs> jigsaw puzzles, and I don't want to defend the honor of jigsaw puzzles. But you will, so you will. I see. It's not a fucking jigsaw <laughs> that's, just, that's just the shitty art project. Well, if you go into my grand, grandmother's like farmhouse, there's just 3D puzzles all around. Yeah, there's just a model-making kit that sucks and has bad instructions. Oh, oh man, you are ruining my childhood. I'm going to drink some more Pinot Grigio. No, a jigsaw puzzle is just... Well, what happened was my mom was cleaning out the attic and found this fucking red wall jigsaw from when I was, like, eight years old or whatever. And so she did that, and that was 500 pieces, and she's like, oh... 500 pieces is fun. A thousand pieces must be twice the fun. So she ordered this again, artisanally made. <laughs> uh, Jerry Garcia, 1982 Philly Spectrum, uh, Dead Show, set to. That is so niche and indulgent. Um, oh, yeah, it's especially no, your mom. Like, Bunny's oh, never yes, met Marlo's mom, but. Bunny would yeah. love my mom and my mom. No, you two would get together. They would love each other. They absolutely would. But, yeah, no, I mean, well, again, my mom literally ordered Dancing Bear, by which I mean, again, the Grateful Dead logo Dancing Bear, not the fucking stripper genre, Matthew. (laughs) She ordered Dancing Bear face masks. Like, yeah, no, I've worn a fucking Grateful Dead face mask in public. My parents aren't hard to figure out what their interests are. But, uh, Bunny, you had something you wanted to talk about. Me too. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I completely uh, uh, spoke over Bunny. <laughs> sorry for that, my friend. Oh, I wasn't even trying it's to bring that shame. up or anything, but... Yeah, so, so I did a sexism. <laughs> and, and Speaking of that, sexism... You- um, you are forgiven for one sexism. <laughs> Be blessed. You get one sexism pass. 
I just take them as uh, as uh, as they come in. Well, you you <laughs> give them out as cards. I'm sure you get one sexism pass, like. I used to be really irresponsible with my sexism passes. I was just like giving them to all I kinds mean, again, of people. Uh, <laughs> our theory for calling ourselves the title that we call ourselves <laughs> is that it's empowering. And if it wasn't empowering, but <laughs> that's so, right. Yeah. This the title of this uh, podcast was uh, my idea. It's a beloved name. If I was uh, a punk band, it's what I would call it. Also, somebody like. Called Stephanie me a pinko has, very uh, early on right. in my life. And I was like, what's a pinko? Steph- anyway. So this is a name that you would name your, like, fucking uh, roller derby. <laughs> I just want to say. It does have a roller derby, like, vibe to it. It's right, girl. Yeah. It's like, fuck, it's yeah. like, it might as well be a zine. It is a zine in. We are going to grow by controversy, and if pissing off Turkish nationalists doesn't work, then uh, <laughs> going with punk suck ass, and it's a childish genre, and you should fucking grow up and, like, learn some general, like, emotional maturity is what we're going to go with. So, like, whatever. Either the Turks get the punk. Yeah, but also... I don't care. Punks, I like breaking stuff. So like, yeah, I don't you know. know. I, that's uh, like just thoughtist. That's not even punk. Love it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, those of you who like breaking stuff, I feel you. Those of and, you uh, who like one- punk as like an ethos or whatever, I don't respect you, and you should find <laughs> me on Twitter. Even though I never actually uh, give you too many hints, but yeah, track me down on Twitter. Listen to clues by downloading every episode of this podcast, and uh, <laughs> yeah, fucking fight me. You can't because you're like a bunch of like nebbishy, like weak-wristed. Uh, Ooh, that's that's <laughs> a very Jewish word, nebbishy. Anyway, do you, did you do an anti-Semitism? Did an it's called a self-hate when I do it. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't care. Like, whatever. Your dad didn't hug you enough or he hugged you too much and now you hate capitalism. Fuck you. World Inferno sucks. Um, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I, I will piss off. An, uh, I want to insult enough subgroups until someone starts listening to our podcast out of hate. That's my goal. So this week it's punks. It's a shitty genre and go fuck yourselves. Learn to play your instruments for more than two minutes and 58 seconds. Again, I'm a deadhead. I expect you to play your instruments for 48 minutes at a time. You know, because that's better. Because it's longer. Fuck off. We could also just piss off everyone in the Me Too movement, which I think... I mean, me, no, me well, too I, has a general, like... Stop talking over women, Marlo. Oh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing a sexism again. Yeah, no, okay, I need to do a grip. Yeah, I guess let's let's get the sexism okay, done, funny, and then we'll move on women, to the an- anti-Semitism. Yes, as the spokeswoman for all women... <laughs> um, the context to this is uh, Joe Biden has a rape accusation that um, was grotesquely underreported. And now with a lot of prominent people who were very vocal during uh, the Kavanaugh hearings, like taking me to out of their bios when uh, Tara Reid's accusations against Joe Biden came out. And apparently the official organization, Me Too, refused to work with her because of some stipulation about they couldn't do anything about political candidates or was what it, have Was you. it that or Time's Up? I thought it was Time's Up. Time's Up is another movement that is specifically kind of in the entertainment industry, but is focused on workplace harassment more so squarely than Me Too. Me Too was started by Tarana Burke, um, who didn't 
say anything about this until this week. Um, you know, well, it was a lot of non-committal kind of dancing around it. She did say two things that I think are true, which is, um, I think she said them for the wrong reasons, but they are true and they're always worth emphasizing to me, which is, um, it's pretty ordinary to be a victim of harassment, assault uh, as a woman. And uh, it's, yeah, that is, that is a central point of it is that every woman can essentially go, right. me too, uh, something like this has happened to me as well. Me uniquely. Yes. You know, she mentioned it, but like in it, it was such like a, mediocre nothingness um, in terms of like taking a stance here. Uh, but she did say, I, I think it's worth mentioning over and over again, though, because I think a lot of people don't have that perspective that it's actually ordinary to be a victim uh, as a woman. It's not terribly special or unique right. or et cetera. Um, the other thing, thing she's it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then the other thing she drew attention to, which is, I think, is always worth drawing attention to, is uh, sort of our issue that victims be perfect. Now, I disagreed with how Tarana kind of brought up being an imperfect victim because I felt like she was saying something that feels like it's coming from a lot of liberal women. The narrative, I believe, is going to be, oh, uh, we couldn't take Tara Reid's allegations seriously because they were being used as, I believe Tarana said, used like a political football by disinterested parties. And I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Um, the imp- uh, no, okay. So I'm sorry for interrupting, Bonnie. And then subsequently we went off on a whole thing about how you can hear me. <laughs> anyway, my point was it's interesting the evolution of the concept of imperfect victim. Because it used to be you were an imperfect victim because you were a loose woman who, like, was asking for it. But now it's like you're an imperfect victim because you're essentially yep. serving the wrong political party. I think it also goes deeper than that. Um, the and, and I point to the Krasensteins in this. The Krasensteins had a hit piece that did an interview with a former coworker of hers who claimed that she was like taking money from a horse uh, version of Carol Baskin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm imagining like a a horse person who is like Carol Baskin and not what you mean. Um, Yeah, there was a Krasensteins did a hit piece and the Krasensteins definitely seem to be funded by the DNC. And the imperfect victim seems to now have shifted from like a loose woman to someone who potentially may have done something wrong in her past, like accidentally stealing money from a horse foundation or a nonprofit 10 years ago or whatever. And the idea is to cast dispersions on the idea that she couldn't lie. They dig through her past to come up with anything that might situate her as somebody who would have ill intentions. Well, precisely. It's like um, my huge problem with the way it was brought up in Tarana's tweets is that she talked about the imperfect victim instead of talking about society amorphously necessitating our victims be perfect before we sympathize with them. Because that's the issue. It's not about any individual's imperfections, etc. It's the fact that fucking subconsciously, there's this idea that if you're really a victim, it happened in this perfect way, that you were perfectly wronged, where you contributed nothing to this horrible wrongness, etc. And that's the issue. It's it. 
it's got nothing to do with any individual's imperfections. I, I think the focus should be on this weird imaginary perfect victim that people imagine when they are advocating for victims of sexual assault, et cetera, and how that works against us. It just feels like Tirana wanted to contribute to this narrative. And I saw fucking all these liberal women pick it up where they're basically implying that Reed's story uh, didn't get more intention because um, people right. were using it politically and but, okay. when it was a coordinated effort by established powers to minimize it, Marcotte, Amanda Marcotte essentially blamed Katie Halper who did the initial like podcast interview with Tara Reed and which is so gross and I, I hated it. Uh, but that's victim blaming. <laughs> like all of this shit is fucking victim blaming and to see so many quote unquote feminist women just openly engage with it. Uh, super sucks. And um, yeah, <laughs> I just wish people were talking about the actual issues of how rape happens to all kinds of fucked up people. Um assault harassment happens to all kinds of crazy quote unquote bitches okay like that's for real like uh and uh, frankly predators choose people who seem unstable on purpose a lot of time so i just wish that the women who were supposed to be the women advocating about this shit weren't so removed from the like brass tacks of the matter because now they've got some nonprofit industrial complex. They shit do. Them. They have so much nonprofit. Okay, so okay. Joe Zizek on this shit. Capitalism has already dealt with the idea of a victim of rape slutty. It's already dealt with the fact that a victim of rape has certain qualities to them that some find distrustful or what have you that. You know, rape happens in weird situations. Liberalism has already kind of dealt with that and, like, said that narrative. But whatever Amanda Marcotte or anyone is saying, the fact of the matter is the imperfect victim nowadays, they're not talking about her being a liar or whatever. They're talking about her liking Putin or, not, or this, that, or the other thing. It's this political... Uh, narrative function and you know she hasn't appeared on Fox News she's made the decision to not appear on Fox News because that lends her credibility because if you're a victim of rape by a Democrat you're not allowed to appear on Fox News the idea of an imperfect victim has been taken outside the individual and made this collective idea of what is your victimhood serving narratively? And if it's not serving the thing that we decide mm. is proper narratively, then you're a political football. If you're raped by a Republican, you're not a political football. It's the chauvinist men. It's this, that. It's the, it's the idea that, you know, there's rape culture and this, that, and the other thing, and you get to, like, ride that wave. But... If your victimhood is done by a liberal, suddenly, oh, your supporters are a bunch of sexist Bernie bros who don't actually care about rape culture. They're just using you. They're just using you politically. And it becomes this whole, you're suddenly a political tool if your victimhood happens to undermine a person who serves us politically. That's well, this, this gets into this idea that Me Too was always manufactured as a political project. Me Too is, of course, a political project. Challenging patriarchy is a political project. Challenging rape culture is a political project, and it ought to be, it should be. But suddenly liberals who have been arguing this for the last 10 years, suddenly 
making it a political project makes the individual an imperfect victim. I mean, is it suddenly or is this the same old shit? That's what's annoying is that is this that fucking different than the Clinton era? Is it that different than what happened during the Clinton era where we had a more juvenile version of these same social justice things being progressed where the Democratic Party still felt comfortable being the more progressive party yet openly engaged with like smearing and well, okay. let me let me make a distinction uh, is is it more of a political project yeah. or a partisan project they're the same thing but the way it's yeah. perceived the same thing I don't think it was initially conceived as a political partisan whatever. I think, I think once you engage with the nonprofit industrial complex, it puts you in a fucking nonstop Sophie's choice of compromise. And um, you can't be straight up anymore that's what i felt about toronto burke's tweets she was like struggling to find a way to keep the ground she thinks she's gained in terms of you know power and influence and not even necessarily i'm not even trying to say it's a selfish terrible way i think she likely thinks she's doing something for a greater good but it's an impossible fucking dance that, you know, you need somebody to be a bad guy in this scenario, essentially. You need somebody to be the evil bad person. Yeah, no, and the, I mean, the issue essentially comes to politics and partisanship are a good thing. Rape culture exists because some people benefit from rape culture existing. The problem is both Democrats and Republicans benefit from that. And if you're not willing oh. to challenge the overall power structure that benefits from that, you are going to run into these hypocritical yeah, scenarios. It's inevitable. It's, it's predictable. And that's what's frustrating. And I remember uh, in 2016, and I saw this rehashed, this this election a little bit, of course, but in 2016, it kept coming up. Oh, these misogynistic leftists, these, you know, blah, 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 even separate from necessarily the Bernie bro situation. But this idea that because on the left, you're supposed to be so woke and progressive and blah, 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 that that would magically be this space free of misogyny. That very idea is hilarious and absurd. There's no space free of misogyny. It is a fundamental part of fucking humanity. And it doesn't matter how liberal people are or how left or whatever, you're going to have misogyny existing. And I see this idea more from people on the liberal side of things who wanted to sort of perpetuate the idea that the left is secretly, evilly the same as right-wingers, etc. When really um, there's just no space that doesn't have misogyny and assault and harassment, and it's offensive to act otherwise, but people do it all the time. It goes into the situation about acting like the victimhood is special. It's just, it's just frustrating. It was a frustrating week, and frustrating because we wouldn't have to do any of this if uh, they would have just gotten behind Mr. Bernie Sanders. Like, we really... We wouldn't be having this unproductive scenario. This fucking sucks. Oh, yeah, no, there is the what if they chose somebody better and what if they could choose somebody better fantasy land, but in the end, they, they chose somebody that was deeply flawed. And uh, they have to suffer the consequences of that. Um, they're suffering the consequences of that. And hilarious. The problem is they chose someone who did all the right things according to our deeply flawed exploitative society. And the fact of the matter is, if you actually want to solve these problems, that deeply flawed exploitative society needs to end. Sorry, you're not going to solve the problem through liberalism because liberalism thrives off of the exploitation of rape culture. 
it just does. They keep running into these fucking problems. Well, yeah, it's what I like to call a them's the breaks situation we're dealing with right now. I just feel like a lot of people engage with um, frameworks around social justice as a lark almost because anybody who follows this stuff to their logical conclusions could see all of these issues we're running into were inevitable. And at some point, who's accountable for making this choice? Not me. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, I literally um, wasn't allowed to vote in this election, so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Disenfranchisement. Um, so uh, let's Ooh. take a turn and move Kim Jong-un. We can too. Wouldn't it be hilarious if we found out Kim Jong Il? Yeah, he was. He was. He's just a zombie. Kim Il Sung is the eternal leader of North Korea. So, well, I gotta say, the first time I ever saw a photograph of Kim Jong Il, uh, I did think, well, yeah, it's a dictator, but how progressive they have this butch lesbian <laughs> woman running their country. <laughs> Wait. You say Mr. Kim? Yes, I'm Mr. Kim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, after we recorded last week's podcast, people said, oh, Kim, Kim Jong-un is, uh, is dead. And then just today, before we got on the horn here, people were like, nah, he's alive. And those people being the North Korean media. But they, uh, did they have a photo of him even? I have no idea. I will say if we want to keep Steve's dumb idea yeah, no, of me do doing the tanky do update, <laughs> this would be a situation where I do that. So no, I'm watching his first appearance right now. He's he's made a first appearance. The Democratic People's Republic of North Korea loves doing this because there was the famous thing from like two or three years ago where it was like his uncle got executed and then his uncle was just on TV at like a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the North Koreans love talking <laughs> with the West like that where like the West will just like baselessly report someone died and then like that person will just be in and that's exactly what happened here. And that's exactly as I predicted, like, the, for the last week. This is the same news story they run every six months. Yeah, and it's like, and you might say, well, why wouldn't they just come out that day? Because <laughs> no, it's it absolutely is funny. Like, he, yeah. looks, he looks good right I now. Agree. I'm watching him, like, walk upstairs, wave his fist. Oh, but I'm sad his his sister. Uh, well, no, yeah, okay, that was my tanky update is how everyone's thirsting over his sister. But, no, at this point, no, because I've been, like, hitting up my mom's, like, elliptical and shit, and I, I'm <laughs> 30 pounds this year, so, like, I'm curious dude, how Kim Jong-un's doing. Dude, look I'm at the, like, I just sent the video. He's looking good. He's looking stout, but he's looking, like, he's not quite gotten off all of the beers and cheese, but he's he's looking like he's gained some youth. Yeah, no, well, okay, if I have advice for Kim Jong-un, you don't have to cut it out, but you have to be smarter about it. That, that's my point. You know, like, portion control, bitch, is what I would tell Kim Jong-un if I could talk to Kim Jong-un. Now I'm just watching, like, repeated images of him walking upstairs. It's great. Yeah, no, and, like, hit those stairs, dude. Like, fucking hit those stairs. And his sister is right behind him, oh. too. Yeah, no, all right. You're he's looking, looking good. good, right? Like, he's 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 looking fresh face. Oh, shit. No, that's a nice... That's a nice tailored suit. That, I'm are gonna, you, are I'm you, gonna are you talking about the down. one where he's going up the stairs and he's got, like, a gray suit on? No, the one just before he was going. Okay. Yeah, no, it's the the black one, not the weird gray, like fucking, oh look at us, we're like trying to maintain our Mal jumpsuits, but like different. Yeah, no. The the suit. It it was well it was well fitted. All right, what's the tanky update other than uh his sister uh is thirsty 
Yeah, no, it's mostly just dumb anime bullshit and their sister and like oh, fucker. It, it's also cool. Fuck everything. We're all gonna excuse you. <laughs> I did like to be reminded how young <sighs> Kim Jong Un is because our president is seventy three years old and Kim Jong Un is like thirty six. That's like so that's like, like that's like um, seventy two in communist years though. I just was trying to think how many 30 something year olds like have a, uh, have a friend who's in their 70s. It's 72 you know? in communist years because once you're a communist country, you double the amount of years. All right. Yeah. We didn't talk I'm about Laurel, that. You can't find me on social media. <laughs> Off. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Pinko Sluts. Uh, I'm Bunny Themelis at Bunny Themelis on Twitter. Uh, Pinko Steve, um, follow me. I know I Pinko got Steve. one follower from the last. Hell yeah! I don't. I think Hell it was yeah. your friends, Bunny. Probably. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're on all the podcast places now. So rate us on Apple and subscribe to us on wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, all Thank right. you. Thank Marla you. Says bye. Bye.